Support for the Cherry Picking Podcast comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Hey, fellas, it's time to get with the times and get with the technology that is Manscaped and their Lawnmower 2.0 tool. I've actually never used an electric trimmer before in the past. I received my Lawnmower 2.0 from Manscaped about a week or so ago, and I used it last night, and boys, I am in love. Listen up. This tool is so perfect. It will help your manscaping issues down there. No longer will you have to use scissors. No longer will you have to use that old Gillette razor blade that you use on your face to trim your beard. To trim your balls. I'm telling you, you guys will love this tool. It's the Lawnmower 2.0 product. I got mine last week and I am in love. Untrimmed pubes are a thing of the past. I'm telling you. It is time right now to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. Fellas, I'm telling you, get your partner to get you this. The Perfect Package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxer briefs that'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day. Fellas, it's time to upgrade those overused pair of boxers to Manscaped's high-performance anti-chafing boxer briefs because no one likes chafing down there it's uncomfortable it doesn't make you feel good and why go through something like that when you don't have to that's why you got to get the manscaped perfect package manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin safe technology so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. And don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. That's just nasty. Manscaped has also <laughs> Manscaped also has a crop preserver, which is an anti-itch chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on your smelliest part of your body? Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BIGHEADS at manscaped.com always use the right tools for the job your balls and your partner will thank you again get 20% off and free shipping with the code bigheads at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com if you use the code bigheads this podcast is part of the big heads media podcast network go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned in to the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Andre Cherry, your host of the Cherry Picking Podcast. And thank you for downloading another episode of my show. This is a very special episode because this is the 2019 college football season recap episode. That means we made it through six months of college football and it's over now. We're done. So now all we can do is look back at the season that was and then also look ahead to 2020. I'm excited to get into it for another season of the Cherry Picking Podcast. But this is the last episode of this season of season two of the podcast. And I'm just ready to dive into this recap with you guys right now. So we'll go ahead and get started. I want to kick this off by reviewing my my Power 5 conferences. I want to review my predictions for how I thought the season would finish. And then I want to actually look at how the season actually finished 
for the teams within the Power 5 conferences. So we'll kick it off with the ACC, and I'll read you my predicted finish for how I thought the season would go. I'll give you then the actual finish, and then I also want to talk about the biggest surprise in the ACC, the biggest disappointment, and then my early 2020 prediction, just something that I'm feeling right now, a feeling that I have right now. Certainly, as we get through the off season and the, you know, I'll have time to maybe refine my prediction, but just my early 2020 prediction for how the season will go. So I'll do that for all of the Power Five conferences, and we'll go ahead and get it kicked off here, and I'll get it started with the ACC. So if we look at the ACC Atlantic. I had Clemson in first place, Florida State second, NC State third place, Syracuse in fourth, Wake Forest fifth, Boston College sixth. And Louisville in seventh place. So if we look at the actual finish, Clemson was number one. They ran away with it. They dominated the ACC this season, as many folks predicted. But then Louisville finished in second place in the Atlantic standings for 2019. So they had such a tremendous season. They have a new head coach this season. And so they did a a fantastic job finishing in second place in the Atlantic Division, followed by Wake Forest in third place, who had a, who had a good season as well. Fourth place with Florida State, fifth place Boston College, sixth was Syracuse, and seventh were my beloved NC State Wolfpack. So you see there, I, I only had one right, and that was Clemson in first place. The ACC really didn't have very many bright spots in this conference. You could certainly say Louisville was a, a, a bright spot. North Carolina even was a bright spot, followed by Virginia and Virginia Tech. But overall, this conference didn't seem to have the same strength as we've seen in the past. It was probably the weakest it's been in some time, if I'm being honest. So if we look at the ACC Atlantic Division, the biggest surprise is Louisville. Louisville is a team that went winless in the conference in 2018 under former head coach Bobby Petrino. This dude was an offensive mind. He he was a great coach for Louisville during his first stint with the team, but ever since he came back, hasn't been able to recreate the same magic. And as a result, he got fired last season. But in 2019, under new head coach Scott Satterfield, or Satterfield, I think is how you pronounce it. He's from Appalachian State. He was the head coach there for about six seasons. He comes into this program, and the Cardinals finish with a 5-3 and three conference record and an 8-5 and five record overall, including a bowl victory against SEC foe Mississippi State. The Cardinals had quite the turnaround from last season, being the last place team in the division in 2018 to now the second best team in the division in 2019, finishing behind Clemson. And you would have to think that the future is bright for Louisville. This head coach has infused a new culture into Louisville, and he's really gotten the most out of Bobby Petrino's talent on that roster. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do with his own recruits moving forward. But a tremendous job, and like I said, that was the biggest surprise for me out of the ACC Atlantic. Now, if we look at the biggest disappointment in the Atlantic division of the ACC, it has to be Syracuse, hands down. Syracuse was the darling team of 2018. The Orange finished 6-2 in the conference and posted a 10-3 record overall. However, this season, Syracuse came back down to reality. The Orange finished in 6th place with a 2-6 conference record and a 5-7 record overall. Now, I had my suspicions this preseason about how good this team would be this year. In the preseason, I picked Syracuse to finish in 4th place in the Atlantic, 
I saw a lot of other publications and a lot of other folks thinking that Syracuse was a better team than they actually are. And so they had them higher in their preseason predictions, but not me, not cherry picking. I had them solidly at fourth place, and I thought that was a fair spot to put them at. Because while they had a, a good season last year, I need them to do that consistently. I, I Just because they have a flash-in-the-pan season last year, it, that wasn't enough for me to go out on a limb and say that they were going to be one of the top teams out of the Atlantic this season. When the season kicked off, I predicted Maryland would beat Syracuse, and boy did the Terrapins beat up on the Orange. In their Week 2 matchup, Maryland put up 63 points on Syracuse's defense in route to the victory over their old ACC foe. That game would end up being Syracuse's worst and most embarrassing loss of the season, but it still did not change the fact that this team was bad in 2019. So, curious to see how Syracuse bounces back from this season. I mean, it certainly can't get any worse, I would say. I mean, they could end up in the 7th place spot out of the the Atlantic, but I, I don't think that will be the case next season. So, I'm really curious to see how this team rebounds next season. And my early 2020 prediction, Clemson wins the ACC. No no big surprise there. I'm sure a lot of other folks would think the same thing. But I think Trevor Lawrence wins the Heisman this upcoming season. I'm putting it out there. I think Trevor Lawrence will win the Heisman. Clemson will win its sixth straight ACC championship in 2020. Last season, Clemson and the Oklahoma Sooners out of the Big 12 Conference both became the first programs in an active FBS conference since the 1971 through 75 Alabama Crimson Tide to win five consecutive outright titles. Trevor Lawrence this season was a first-team All-ACC selection. He enters the championship game against LSU with a 29-0 record at Clemson, including a 25-0 record as a starter. I'm recording this podcast before the start of the championship game, so if Trevor Lawrence and his Clemson Tigers win, he'll be 30-0, he'll be 26-0 as a starter, or he'll be 29-1 and and 25-1 as a starter for Clemson. So either way, I mean, that's pretty impressive. The sophomore quarterback had completed 232 of 337 passes, which is good for 68.8% for a total of 3,172 yards and a career-high 34 touchdowns with 8 interceptions for a passer rating of 176.45. So Trevor Lawrence, he's going to be a beast next season. He'll be entering in his junior season. He'll be eligible for the NFL at that point. I think he'll probably be one of the top picks next season if all goes well. And like I said, I think he'll win the Heisman next season. So that's my early prediction for 2020. And that was my ACC Atlantic recap. Now we're going to move on to the ACC Coastal Division. So in the preseason, in the Coastal Division of the ACC, I predicted Miami would finish in first place, followed by Virginia, then Virginia Tech, followed by Pittsburgh, then North Carolina in fifth place, Georgia Tech in sixth place, and Duke at seventh. The actual finish, Virginia was first, followed by Virginia Tech, Miami was third, Pittsburgh was fourth, North Carolina was fifth, uh, Duke was sixth, And Georgia Tech was 7th. And so the only two that I picked accurately to to have that finish was Pittsburgh in 4th place and North Carolina in 5th place in the Coastal. So if we look at the biggest surprise, North Carolina. 
In 2018, under head coach Larry Fedora, the Tar Heels went 2-9 and nine overall with a conference record of 1-7. and seven. So as a result, Larry Fedora got fired. In walks in Mac Brown, who had been retired for about five seasons. He had a very nice job at ESPN. He had a job that most people would kill for. And he decided, you know what? I still got this itch to coach. I'm going to go back to North Carolina, where I used to be a head coach of that program. And he did pretty well, I would say. I mean, he went to a bowl game this season and the Tar Heels danced their way to a 4-4 and conference record and a 7-6 and overall record, including a 55-13 to blowout victory over the Temple Owls in the Military Bowl. So North Carolina, I mean, that, that was uh, a questionable hire, I thought, to have Mac Brown come back. You know, he's an old guy. I don't know what his age is, but he's he's pretty old. But I thought maybe he... he would be maybe a step too slow. I mean, he's been away from the game for about five years, even though he covers it on a regular basis for ESPN. But there's a difference there to be an analyst at ESPN and then go back to coaching, go back to recruiting, and just managing a team and a program. I thought maybe that'd be too much for Mac Brown to do at this stage of his life. But I was surprised to see that they have a new culture there. I mean, Mac Brown has got this team believing that they can really be world beaters. They were within, what, a few points of beating Clemson this past season. They took Virginia to like five overtimes earlier in the season, and these two teams would eventually be in the ACC championship game. So my message to the team is, if I'm Mac Brown, we played with the best in the conference and we almost beat them. Next season, let's go do the damn thing and win the Coastal. And so I, I just I think that the the future is bright for North Carolina. And hats off to Mac Brown and his Tar Heels. And that pains me to say because I'm not a Tar Heels fan at all. But you have to be impressed with the job that he did in his first year back at North Carolina. That brings me on to the biggest disappointment out of the Coastal would have to be Miami. From my perspective, I thought Miami would have enough to win the Coastal this season. uh, But they fell short of that mark. They ended up in third place. And... If you look at it, if you look at 2018, Miami's finish felt pretty disappointing as the Hurricanes ended its season with a 7 and 6 record and it just it seemed to fall flat. Even though the defense was playing at a high level, it just they couldn't put it all together to be more productive and successful than they were. This season in 2019, it brought with it a new head coach in Manny Diaz who served as a defensive coordinator in 2018 under Mark Rick and a sense of renewed optimism that Diaz could bring Miami back to national relevance. However, sadly, under Diaz, in his first year as head coach, the Hurricanes finished in a worse spot than it did the season before. Miami posted a 6-7 record, which was their first losing record since 2014. And I know changes have been made on the offensive side of the ball, bringing in a new offensive coordinator. You know, we'll see if that will make a difference for Miami this upcoming season. But in my book, that was a a big disappointment to see Miami finish in the spot that it did with the losing record. And we will see what Miami can do next season in uh, Manny Diaz's second season as head coach at Miami. I hope that he hasn't chewed off more than he can handle, but it was his first season. So you got to give him a little bit of time there. But Miami's hungry to become relevant again in college football. And honestly, it would be good for the game to have them relevant again. So we'll see what they can do next season. Now, if we look at my early 2020 prediction, I'm picking North Carolina to win the Coastal. 
I think the future looks extremely bright for the Tar Heels, especially with freshman quarterback Sam Howell returning to action next season. The quarterback led the conference in total passing yards with over 3,600 yards, while also throwing for the most touchdowns out of any quarterback within the conference at 38, and he only had seven interceptions. And this is a freshman, a true freshman. So I think North Carolina on the on the arms and legs of Sam Howell can do some amazing things next season. And that's my early prediction, folks. I think North Carolina will win the Coastal in 2020. Now, I also want to, at this time, look at Notre Dame. So in the preseason, I predicted Notre Dame to finish with a 10-2 record. And the only losses that I thought that they would take this season uh, were to Georgia and then also Michigan. And those were both road games for Notre Dame. If we look at how they actually finished in 2019... It was uh, 10 and 2. Look at that. And I got it right with the wins and losses. I predicted their schedule accurate, 100% accurate this season. So proud to say that I got that right. And I, I think the future for Notre Dame is also looking bright. I mean, they're, they're a team that just reloads. Ian Book will be there again, starting at quarterback. And I think he's a great leader for the Irish and anything's possible. I mean, Notre Dame has been in the discussion. They were at the playoffs, what, two years ago? Um, and I'm sure they always have their their eyes set on national championships at Notre Dame. So I'll be curious to see what Brian Kelly can do. I mean, he's been there for, what, a damn near a decade now or so? I mean, he's been there a, quite a while. And so I still think at some point Urban Meyer will be the head coach of Notre Dame. But I think there's unfinished business for Brian Kelly right now. And I think he is motivated to get into the playoffs and to you know win a playoff semifinal game and get to the championship game next season. So anything is possible because they recruit on such a national scale. They get some of the best talent in the country. Um, Notre Dame will always be in the discussion at every preseason. And so a 10-2 record, I think they finished 11-2 this season. I mean, that's pretty, pretty solid. And so, you know, we'll see what they can do next season. If we transition on to the big 12 conference, if we look at how I predicted that conference to finish in 2019, I had Oklahoma in first place, followed by Texas, then Baylor in third place, Iowa State in fourth place, Oklahoma State in fifth, West Virginia in sixth place, TCU in seventh, Kansas State in eighth, Texas Tech, and then Kansas finishing out the Big 12 Conference. If we look at how they actually finish in the Big 12, the standings look like this. Oklahoma in first place, Baylor second, Texas in third, Oklahoma State fourth, Kansas State in fifth, Iowa State sixth, West Virginia seventh, TCU, Texas Tech at nine, and Kansas at ten. So the teams that I got right out of the Big 12 in terms of predicting their finish correctly uh, was Oklahoma at first place, and then I have Texas Tech at 9th and Kansas at 10th. So the biggest surprise, even though Kansas finished in 10th place, I would say was Kansas. Despite matching their win-loss record from the last season at 3-9, and nine, there were flashes of good this season for Les Miles and his Kansas Jayhawks squad, including a 48-24 beatdown at Boston College this season on the road. I don't think anyone saw that coming at all. And then they also hung around with... Number 15, Texas. I mean, they only lost that by two points, and they were within 10 points of beating Iowa State this season, and Iowa State uh, finished in sixth place, but they were in the discussion for possibly winning the Big 12 this season. For a good portion of this season, they were in discussion for that. So I, I think those examples there are some good reasons to believe why I think Les Miles will be able to turn it around so that Kansas becomes bowl-eligible team at some point. 
I think some people may say Baylor was uh, a, the biggest surprise, but n- not me. I mean, I, I had Baylor in third place, so I thought that they would be good. I thought they would be competitive this season. So it was good to see Matt Rule lead his team the way that he did to a second place finish. I mean, they were they won what eleven games this season, so you know they weren't a surprise to me. But I think honestly, Kansas showed flashes that they could be competitive in the Big 12. And I thought maybe I think maybe some folks thought it would be a few year a few years out, but Les Miles looks to be a coach that can get those players motivated and I'm really curious to see what he can do with his own talent next season. So, that that's the biggest surprise to me. The biggest disappointment, however, I would say would be Texas. And don't let Texas's bowl game victory over Utah fool you. This team underachieved in 2019. An 8 and 5 record is good if you're a team like Iowa State. But a Texas team, uh, an 8-5 record isn't good enough. That's not going to cut it, especially considering all the hype this team brought with them as they entered this season. Sam Ellinger at the last bowl game last year, what was it, the Sugar Bowl? I mean, the dude came on the mic and, and pronounced and proclaimed that we're back. Texas is back. You can't make that proclamation and then follow it up with an 8-5 and five record. I'm sorry. You, you cannot do that. I think this season will be, uh, um, you know, they'll have renewed hope and optimism that they'll be relevant in the Big 12 this season. Sam Ellinger comes back in 2020, which is a good thing. He put out a, a pretty cool hype video. It's on my Twitter if you want to check it out. But if they don't win the Big 12 next season, I don't know when they'll ever get that opportunity to win the Big 12. Like right now is the best time to do it. Uh, Oklahoma is within transition. Uh, Jalen Hurts will be gone. Baylor just lost its head coach. I think Oklahoma State loses some some players like Chuba Hubbard, I think, is gone. So the time is right for Texas to seize this opportunity. The rest of the conference is going through some transition. Texas will be pretty uh, pretty intact for the most part. I, I don't know the players offhand who they're losing, but the fact that Sam Ellinger is back, he'll be one of the more senior quarterbacks within college football, within that conference of the Big 12. So if they don't do it next year, you can't you can't tell me that you're back. Like I just I, I don't want to keep hearing that if you're not able to back it up. And my early 2020 prediction, Kansas is going to go bowling. I mean, it might be at a Brunswick Bowl, but I mean, they're going to go bowling one one way or another, I think, next season. I'm just putting it out there. So we'll see if they can get it done. All right. So with that, I'm going to take a little break here. We're going to pause. And on the other side of this break, we'll get into the Big Ten Conference. We'll talk about the Pac-12. We'll also go through the SEC predictions as well. So we'll take a little break here. I'll be right back after this short break. On the other side of it, we'll talk about the Big Ten Conference. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Want to know what life is really like after the game is all over? Real athletes are here to share their true stories of adversity and triumph every week on After Orange Slices. Even if you don't like sports, pro athletes, former college stars, celebrities, coaches, public speakers, doctors, and all kinds of experts, join the show. And there's a little bit of something for everybody. Join me, Bridget, for a slice of inspiration plus your everyday sports news sprinkled in. New episodes every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, available anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back. Hey guys and gals, welcome back to the Cherry Pick Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Cherry. On this side of the break, I'm going to 
talk about the Big Ten Conference. I'm going to run through the predictions that I had in the preseason, compare that with the actual finish, and then we'll also talk about the biggest surprise, biggest disappointment, and my early 2020 prediction. So we'll go ahead and get started with the Big Ten. And in the Big Ten East, I had predicted Ohio State in first place, followed by Michigan, then Michigan State in third place, followed by Penn State, then Maryland, Indiana in sixth place, followed by Rutgers in seventh place. If we look at how the conference actually finished for this year, it was Ohio State in first place, Penn State in second place, followed by Michigan in third place, Indiana in fourth, Michigan State in fifth, Maryland in sixth, and Rutgers in seventh place. So the predictions that I actually got correct out of the Big Ten East this year, Ohio State winning the, the entire division, and then I had Rutgers accurately predicted to finish in seventh place. So my biggest surprise out of the Big Ten East division, I would say, would be Ohio State. Now, I predicted this team to win the East this preseason, but I didn't think that they'd look so dominant this season, especially considering that Ryan Day would be transitioning into the head coaching role for the Buckeyes. I assumed that there would be some roadblocks along the way, but that wasn't the case for this season's Ohio State squad. The Buckeyes posted an undefeated regular season record before eventually losing to Clemson in the college football playoff semifinals. This season, Ohio State put up the third most points in FBS, while also limiting opponents to the fourth fewest points in all of FBS. This team was stacked and one of the more balanced teams in all of college football. Transfer quarterback Justin Fields proved to be legit and will be a threat next season as well. This season, Fields completed 67.2% of his throws for over 3,200 yards, 41 touchdowns, and only three interceptions. Chase Young on defense was a beast at defensive end. He accumulated 46 total tackles, including 21 tackle for losses and 16.5 sacks. So Ohio State was was very impressive. They may have been one of the more impressive teams all season long. They couldn't get, get it done in the college football playoff semifinal matchup. But they were a surprise to me because they were beating the brakes off of teams on its schedule. And they got some flack this season because they played a Big Ten uh, schedule that on paper, didn't seem uh, too competitive, didn't seem too too difficult, but Ohio State did what I expected it to do in that case, and in return, they blew out all the teams on its on its schedule. So, you know, I think that helped to to validate how good this team was. And when they played Clemson in the college football playoff semifinal, it was uh, it was a, a pretty good matchup. I mean, Ohio State looked like they were going to beat Clemson. And in the beginning part of that game, they were they were dominating Clemson. And so they let the game slip through their hands, through their fingertips. But still hats off to Ohio State and Ryan Day for you know his first season as the head coach. That's a good season to make it to the playoffs. And so I think there's opportunity there for them to be legit out of the East next season. Honestly, you have Justin Fields coming back. Some of the receivers will be back there as well. So I think this will be a, a pretty solid team next season. I don't know if they'll be as dominant as they were this season, but anything is possible with Ohio State. They just seem to reload. Then the biggest disappointment, I would have to say, is Michigan. I predicted Michigan to finish in second place this season. I, I didn't believe that they were as legit as everyone thought they would be entering into this season. Uh, a lot of publications had them winning the Big Ten East, but not me, not Dre, not cherry picking. I just I didn't see enough from Michigan. Uh, the full body of work that Jim Harbaugh has had at Michigan. 
it's not good enough for me to go out on a limb and, and stake my claim in saying that they're going to win the Big Ten East. As a result, I had them in second place. I thought that would be where they would finish up. They actually finished in third place below Penn State, but they're a disappointment for all the expectations that came into this season. That That's disappointing. Michigan finished with a 9-4 record this season. They lost to four out of the six ranked opponents on their schedule this season. Their most impressive win this season came against number eight ranked Notre Dame as the Wolverines beat up on the Irish by a score of 45-14. to But other than that, this season was pretty forgettable for Michigan. Shea Patterson was definitely one of the weak spots on the team. The senior quarterback threw for over 3,000 yards, but he only completed 56.2% of his passes in 2019, which was a dip from 2018. Completing only 56% of your passes is not going to cut the snuff in the Big Ten. And I think Jim Harbaugh, I think he's the right coach for Michigan, but I think he needs some help evaluating talent. There were points this season where I thought maybe Patterson should be benched, but Harbaugh rode with his transfer quarterback until the end. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what the future looks like with the new quarterback starting for the Wolverines in 2020. And again, I think Harbaugh is the guy for the job. I just think they just need some help with evaluating talent, especially as it relates to the quarterback position. So we'll see what they can do next season. My early prediction for 2020, Penn State wins the East Division of the Big Ten. Now if we transition over to the Big Ten West Division, I predicted Iowa would finish in first, followed by Wisconsin, Nebraska in third place, followed by Northwestern, Chicago's Big Ten team, Northwestern, then Illinois, followed by Purdue, and then Minnesota in seventh place. So P.J. Fleck has got his boys rowing that boat. (laughs) So if we look at how it actually turned out, Wisconsin was in first place, Minnesota second, Iowa in third, Illinois in fourth place, followed by Purdue, then Nebraska in sixth, and then Northwestern in seventh place. So as it turns out, I didn't predict any team within that division accurately. So the biggest surprise to me, I mean, I had Minnesota in seventh place, is Minnesota. I mean, what a a great turnaround for Minnesota from last season to this season. In 2018, P.J. Fleck led the Gophers to a 7-6 record. However, in 2019, the Gophers posted a very impressive 11-2 record, including a 31-24 victory over SEC opponent Auburn in the Outback Bowl. The early part of the schedule was weak, but Minnesota handled its business in each of those games. The most quality win of the season came against number 5 Penn State on November 9th. After that matchup, the Gophers dropped two out of the remaining three games on its schedule, and they needed those games because they let the Big Ten West title slip through their fingers by losing uh, some of those pivotal matchups down the stretch there. I I think Minnesota is the biggest surprise, but... I, I While I'm surprised in a good way, I, I did feel some disappointment that they didn't finish out those those last three games on their schedule, uh, at least get one win to win the Big Ten West. They, they lost two of those games that they needed, and as a result, you know, they let the Big Ten West title slip through their hands. And I think they had a great opportunity this season to win the West, but I think there'll be some chances in the future here. But biggest surprise, Minnesota... Great job for P.J. Fleck and his boys. They're rowing the boat. So P.J. Fleck has got his boys rowing that boat. (laughs) 
The biggest disappointment is Northwestern. Chicago's Big Ten team, Northwestern. Chicago's Big Ten team goes from winning the West Division in 2018 to falling in the basement of the division in 2019. They opened up conference play with seven straight Big Ten losses, if you can believe it or not. Northwestern's only win in the conference came against Illinois, who had a great season this year. The 3-9 and nine record is Pat Fitzgerald's worst season at Northwestern in his entire 14-year head coaching career. So, man, man, oh, man. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty bad finish for Northwestern. We haven't seen that from them in, in quite some time. Northwestern is usually a program that is pretty good to make a bowl game every year. They won the West two years ago, so uh, that's quite the drop-off for Northwestern. That's a rough go, but maybe Chicago's Big Ten team can get it together next season to have a more competitive finish in 2020. My early 2020 prediction Minnesota wins the West Division of the Big Ten. So P.J. Fleck has got his boys rowing that boat. (laughs) Okay, now we're going to transition to the Pac-12 conference, and we're going to look at the Pac-12 North. In the 2019 preseason, I predicted Oregon to finish in first place, followed by Washington State, then Washington in third place, Stanford in fourth place, California in fifth place, Oregon State in sixth place. So if we look at how it actually played out, Oregon won the Pac-12 North. I got that correct. But then we had Oregon State in second, followed by California, Washington in fourth, Washington State in fifth, and Stanford in sixth place. So my biggest surprise uh, out of this conference or out of this division, the Pac-12 North. I I can't put my hand on one team in particular, but the Pac-12 North overall was a big surprise to me. Because I predicted Oregon was going to win the North this year, but I didn't know that the rest of the conference would be so blah. Oregon went 8-1 and one in conference, four other teams went 4-5, and five, and the Washington State Cougars went 3-6, and six, as did the Stanford Tree. And that brings me to my biggest disappointment out of the Pac-12 North with Stanford. Ever since the end of 2017, where Stanford went 9-5 and five and won the Pac-12 North, the Cardinal has been on a regression trend. In 2018, they dropped to third place in the North, and then this season, David Shaw's team finished in dead last in the North standings. Since the start of the 2011 season, when the inaugural Pac-12 championship game was held, Stanford has represented the North Division four times, which is the most appearances by any team in the conference. They won the Pac-12 title on three of those four visits. However, the last time they made it to the championship game seems like a distant memory. This team had lost a lot of talent entering into this season, so I give them that. And they also saw some injuries at some key positions, including quarterback. So... I'm really, really hoping that David Shaw and his Cardinal team are able to rebound next season because Stanford was just so consistent, so dominant out of the Pac-12 North for so long. And it seems as if their reign over that division has come to an end. And I just hope that they can get back to their winning ways because it doesn't feel right to say that Stanford finished in dead last in the Pac-12 North. Then my early prediction for 2020, I think Oregon wins the North. Mario Cristobal will be in his third season up there in Eugene, and after assuming the position from Willie Taggart, Cristobal went 9-4 in his first season, followed by an impressive 12-2 record this season, and a top-five finish. He loses his quarterback, Justin Herbert, but I still believe there's enough talent in place to keep this train rolling. So I'm thinking the Ducks will win the North next season. Now if we look at the Pac-12 South in the preseason, I predicted Utah to win the conf- or to win the division, followed by USC in second place, then Arizona State in third, 
followed by Arizona, then UCLA in fifth place, and Colorado in sixth place. If we look at how the division actually finished, Utah was in first, followed by USC in second place, and I got those two teams uh, predicted correctly. And then we had UCLA in third place, Arizona State in fourth place, followed by Colorado, and then Arizona rounds out the group in sixth place. The biggest surprise out of the Pac-12 South this season, I would say, would be UCLA. And even though UCLA didn't go to a bowl game this season, they did improve from a season ago, even if it was marginally. The Bruins finished in fifth place in the South standings in 2014 compared to a top three finish in 2019. I wrote this team off at the start of the season, but looking at the schedule, Chip Kelly did have some impressive wins this season, including two victories over ranked opponents, Washington State and Arizona State. This season, UCLA also ended an 11-year drought against Stanford with a 34-16 win. So despite the poor record, there were some great moments there for UCLA, and that's enough for me to think that they're building on that momentum for the future. So that's just my take on that. The biggest disappointment, I would say, is Utah. Now, even though I predicted them to win the Pac-12 South, they were my team all season, I thought they'd play themselves into the college football playoffs, but their embarrassing 37-15 loss to Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game left a bitter taste in my mouth. The loss also snapped their eight-game win streak that they had going at the time. So hats off to Utah for being impressive this season, one of the more impressive teams out of the Pac-12 this season, but the way they finished just left a sour taste in my mouth, and to me, that's a disappointment because I predicted them to make it to the playoffs. My early 2020 prediction, USC wins the South. Clay Helton will be entering his sixth season in LA, and he'll have a healthy roster, and I think he's going to win this season in the Pac-12 South. I think they're going to make it to the Pac-12 championship game, and I think that's going to keep Urban Meyer at bay. So I know a lot of folks weren't happy and pleased to see that Clay Helton would be returning this season. A lot of USC fans, uh, mind you. But I think Clay Helton did a great job this season considering the fact that he had a lot of major injuries on his roster. Give him a full healthy roster and I think Clay Helton is going to be able to get this thing going. So um, that's just my take on that and that's my, my opinion. But I think USC wins the South in 2020. Now if we transition over to the SEC This is the last of my Power 5 conferences that I predicted this season. In the SEC East, I had predicted Florida to win the division, followed by Georgia, then South Carolina in third place, followed by Missouri in fourth place, Tennessee in fifth, Kentucky in sixth, and Vanderbilt in seventh place. How it actually played out this year, Georgia was in first place, followed by Florida, then Tennessee in third place, Kentucky in fourth, Missouri at fifth. South Carolina at 6th, and Vanderbilt in 7th place. And Vanderbilt was the only team I predicted correctly out of the SEC East. So the biggest surprise out of the East, I would have to say, is Tennessee. After finishing in the basement of the SEC East the last two seasons, a lot of folks thought that the Volunteers this season was doomed after dropping their first two games of the season, including a 38-30 loss to Georgia State. However, Tennessee would go on to post a 7-3 record after the first two losses this season. They even won their bowl game against Indiana, a, a pretty solid team out of the Big Ten East this year, to get this Tennessee Volunteer program to an 8-5 and record overall and 5-3 and in the conference, which was good for third place in the East standings. So a lot of people... A lot of people, a lot of people that get paid to do this on ESPN 
thought that the sky was falling down, that this team was a, a mess, that this team just hit rock bottom. I think that was the exact phrase. This team hit rock bottom. I have not seen it worse than this in all my years. And that came from Paul Feinbaum. Um, there are other folks on ESPN, such as Desmond Howard. He wrote this team off as well. But this team was a surprise. And the fact that all these people, all these SEC fans, thought that Tennessee was to be written off, they should be ashamed of themselves. Because to finish with an 8-5 and record and a 5-3 and mark in the conference, that's pretty solid out of the East Division. And... Certainly, this is not the Tennessee team from the '90s, who you know was so dominant back then. This team is on a different level now, and I think that an eight and five record and a five and three mark in the conference is good enough to to good enough to build on, I guess you could say. And I, I think that the way they finished the season certainly was different from how they started, but you have to give them a lot of credit for that finish and for winning in the bowl game. Because a lot of people love bowl games, you know that's what you play for, right? So I think I think there's going to be some good things in store for Tennessee. That's all I'm going to say right now. Now, if we look at my biggest disappointment out of the SEC East, it has to be Missouri. Missouri lost its first game of the season against Wyoming, but they they would then go on to rattle off five straight victories. Things were looking extremely bright for head coach Barry Odom at that point in time. And then after the Ole Miss game, the Tigers dropped the next five straight games. The Tigers limped to a 6-6 six and six record overall and a 3-5 and five record in the conference. As a result, you guessed it, Barry Odom was fired. Such a huge disappointment for a team who was able to secure quarterback Kelly Bryant out of the transfer portal this season. And the way they finished, just it didn't match the way that they had started. So if you look at these two teams, they were in very different spots. Tennessee started poorly but finished very well. Missouri started very well and finished very poorly. Which one would you rather have? Which one would you rather take with you into the offseason? I think it's the the Tennessee situation or the scenario there. So t- such a bad bad end of the season for Missouri. It's just one of the one of the teams I'm really probably disappointed in the most I would say is Missouri. And my early 2020 prediction for this division, I'm going to stake my claim Tennessee wins the East. In 2020. That's my prediction, my early prediction. Now, if we look to the SEC West in the preseason, I predicted LSU to win the West Division, followed by Alabama, then Texas AM, Auburn in fourth place, Mississippi State in fifth place, Mississippi in sixth, and Arkansas in seventh place. If we look at the actual finish, uh, I had LSU picked correctly, followed by Alabama in second place, then Auburn in third place. Texas A&M in fourth place, followed by Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and then Arkansas. So the only teams I did not get correctly out of the West were Auburn and Texas A&M. Had I flipped those teams, I would have gotten this entire division correct. So that's that's crazy. The biggest surprise, I would say, was LSU's offense. This season, LSU scored the most points in college football with 48.9 points per game. They also ranked in the top following categories. Team total offense, 564.1 yards per game. That's first. Scoring offense, I told you, was first. Total offense, which was 294.2 yards per game, was second. Average yards per play, 9.53 yards per play. That's first. Deep passing completion uh, percentage of 20-plus yards, 56.5%, which is first. Deep passing touchdowns of 20-plus yards, 
or more. That's uh, 23. They had 23 of those. Joe Burrow did. And that was in first uh, within the all of FBS this season. So I could go on and on. I mean, there are a lot of stats that LSU just just obliterated this year. Joe Burrow seemed to be playing on another level this season. Um, I could go on and on about him. He won the Heisman. He His completion percentage is like 77% or something ungodly at this point of the season. So LSU's offense really just was clicking on all cylinders. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was a beast. The receivers for LSU played at a big level this year. So it's just this team offensively has done some things that I don't think we'll see happen again at LSU, at least not next season. But the fact that LSU put it together on offense is just really impressive. And I thought they would be good this season. I just didn't think that LSU offense would be that good. The biggest disappointment, I would say, is Texas A&M. After finishing in second in the West in 2018, the A&M Aggies dropped to fourth in the division. They finished slightly lower than my expectations for this team in 2019. I In the preseason, I predicted them to be in third place. Um, but I'll give them the fact that they probably had one of the most difficult schedules in all of college football this season, including stops at Clemson, Georgia, and LSU. But Jimbo Fisher's team had opportunities to go 2-2 two and two against these top 10 teams. I'm looking specifically at the Auburn game in which they were within 8 points of the lead, as well as, as well as the Georgia matchup where they were within 7 points. So there were some missed opportunities there, and... We'll see what Kellen Mond and Jimbo Fisher can do next season. But I just thought that they had an opportunity to to finish better than they did. And that's why I'm saying they were a disappointment to me. And probably the fact that Jimbo Fisher looks like a used car salesman and that I just can't trust him. He just he just seems like he seems kinda uh, sneaky. He just seems kinda shysty. And I just can't trust the guy. But Texas A&M was probably my biggest disappointment in 2019. If we look at the early 2020 prediction, I'm I'm thinking that Auburn will win the West this year. Auburn won the West in 2017, and while I fully believe Alabama will be on a revenge tour next season, and I'm doing that with air quotations, I think Auburn will go on a tear next season and will end up in the SEC championship game. I just I really think that this team will do it, and that's my prediction for 2020. So there we have it, folks. Those were my predictions and the actual finishes for all of the teams within the Power 5 conferences for the 2019 season. So after another short break, I want to recap the Temple's Owls 2019 season. And it's uh, I'm going to play you a soundbite from a couple podcasts ago. And it just recaps the season very succinctly for where I think this team will go and what moves it needs to make next season. But we'll get into that right after this short break. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. I'm Kyle. This is Steven. Together we host a show called Boar Meets World. Tell them what we cover on Boar Meets World. Boy Meets World. But that's not all, is it? No. Now we cover life experiences. Ours. Oh, son of a <laughs> bitch. <laughs> all right, just check out the show, please. We really... <laughs> We really need it. Okay? We need a win. Just check us out. We talk about the show Boy Meets World. Each episode of our show, we run parallel for an episode of Boy Meets World where we will examine the show. That's way too much. What happens. You know, our life, how it relates to it, experiences. I can't believe you're still recording. I am recording. (laughs) Check it out, guys. You'll get some hilarious stories from me and Steven from our childhood. You'll get a great... (laughs) 
I lost it. Under first-year head coach Rod Carey, Temple finished the 2019 regular season with an 8-4 mark overall and a 5-3 record in the American Athletic Conference. This season's senior class is the third winningest program in school history with 33 victories. They are only the second group of seniors in school history to play in a bowl game every year. The first class to do that was the 2018 group of seniors. This season's Owls team was led by some very impressive playmakers. In fact, three players were recently named to various All-America teams. Redshirt junior defensive end Quincy Roche earned the highest recognition as he was voted first team by Sports Illustrated. Roche was also named the Defensive Player of the Year by both the American Athletic Conference and Eastern College Athletic Conference. This season, Roche accounted for 44 tackles, 18 tackle for losses, 13 sacks, two fumble recoveries, a forced fumble, and a block kick. Roche was a difference maker on a defense stacked with playmakers this season. On offense, redshirt junior Matt Hennessy earned second-team honors from USAA Today and Pro Football Focus and also garnered a third-team selection by the AP. Hennessy was the highest-graded center in FBS, according to Pro Football Focus. He only allowed four quarterback pressures and no sacks on 826 total snaps this season. If you look at his teammate on offense, freshman running back Raymond Davis earned first-team All-America freshman honors from ESPN and Pro Football Focus. Davis helped to fill the huge void left by the departure of eventual NFL running back Raquel Armstead. Davis led the team in rushing with 900, and his yardage attempts, 178, rushing touchdowns, 7, and 100-yard games, 3, rank second on Temple's all-time list among freshmen to only Bernard Pierce. Davis has the third most rushing yards by any true freshman in FBS. Davis's production in combination with running back Jagger Gardner has been a solid one-two punch this season. And unfortunately for Mr. Gardner, he had gotten hurt a few games before the end of the season for Temple. So he, his career is over for the Temple Owls, but those two running backs had a great combination this entire season. From an offensive perspective, this team feels like it's been trying to find its groove all season long. And the Owls, while they have playmakers on offense, I haven't necessarily been impressed by the quarterback play. Last season, the Owls ranked 24th for points scored at 34.9. However, this season, the Owls dropped quite a bit to 76th overall, uh, which is good for 27.4 points per game. Head coach Rod Carey has played two quarterbacks this season. Starter Anthony Russo has seen the most snaps and has thrown for 2,733 yards and 21 touchdowns this season. Russo has completed 58.6% of his pass attempts this season, which is a slight improvement from 2018. Russo is a leader of the Temple Owls, and he earned the starting position in 2018 after saving their season last season after the Owls began their season with two straight losses, including a head-scratching loss to Villanova in Week 1. With Russo as a starter last season, he would go on to lead the team to a 7-3 record and a bowl berth. This season, he earned the starting nod with the new head coaches, but Rod Carey has allowed backup quarterback Todd Santeo to see some action. Santeo has seen limited series this season, but has taken meaningful snaps throughout the season. Santeo has thrown for 378 yards with four touchdowns. Carey has inserted Centeo into the action to help provide an additional element to the offense, which includes his ability to run the ball. 
this season, Todd Teo rushed the ball 42 times for 185 yards. Head coach Rod Carey says, and I'm paraphrasing this statement here, that Centeno is a playmaker who he didn't feel comfortable let riding the bench this season. I think that that is a true statement, but I also feel like Carey inserted Centeno into this into his game plans out of necessity, especially during moments where Russo's production fell flat. I think Centeno deserved to see more action than he did this season. Now this summer, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a quarterback competition between Russo, Centeno, and incoming freshman quarterback Matt Duncan. Out of the 21 players who signed their letters of intent in December to Temple, Matt Duncan was the, the only quarterback who signed with Temple. So I believe he's got a real shot to make some moves this offseason. Because I truly believe Russo's left the door wide open for competition for the upcoming season. And I believe Rod Carey when he says Todd Santeo is an athlete and he, he doesn't feel comfortable letting him ride the bench. But I also feel like you don't play Tatsanteo unless you feel like there's a need there. And he wants to see these players who are on his roster and see what they can do in game time action. So I think it was truly a, a tryout. You know, Russo's a starter, but Tatsanteo, he's going to see some action as well. And I really wouldn't be surprised if Matt Duncan makes it competitive this offseason. So that's just my opinion. That's just my take on it. Because like I said, I haven't necessarily been impressed with the quarterback play. And I think that's one area that could really really try to see some improvement this offseason. Now on defense, the Owls have looked solid all season long. The Owls boast a total defense which ranks third in the AAC. Temple's red zone defense is ranked number one in the conference and fourth nationally. The defense is led by single-digit linebackers Sean Bradley, Chappelle Russell, and Sam Franklin. These three playmakers have accounted for over 200 tackles, 23.5 tackle for losses, with a handful of interceptions and forced fumble recoveries sprinkled in there as well. Temple's defense has been the anchor of this Owls team for the past several seasons. Hey guys and gals, so that was my my recap of the Temple Owls football program this season. It was a short little clip that I uh, initially had recorded a few episodes ago on my show. But I think Temple has an opportunity under second-year head coach Rod Carey to try to finally win win a bowl game. I think that should be the goal for next season. There would be some question marks on offense in terms of what they're going to do at the quarterback position, but some of the surrounding cast, uh, such as running back Ray Davis and Jaden Blue as a wide receiver, they look to be bright spots on this team next season. Uh, Temple has had some coaching changes earlier in the season that I think could have an impact on this team this season and moving forward, uh, especially in the recruiting area. So the pressure is on now for Rod Carey in his second year at Temple. Uh, he's winless in bowl games as for his career. I think he's 0-7. So there's going to be some pressure on Temple to be competitive out of the AAC East this next season. And certainly the focus is going to be on trying to win the division, but most certainly winning a bowl game. Getting to a bowl game and winning it. Because these last two bowl games have gotten blown blown out. They've been embarrassed. So it'll be really interesting to see what Temple does next season. And I'm going to be here for it. And I think you should be here as well. Follow me on Twitter. You can find my stuff at cherrypickingsports.com. And I'll be excited to report on Temple next season. With that, that's the end of this podcast, everybody. This is the this was the last episode of the 2019 season. 
uh, the second season of my podcast show. So I want to thank you if you've been riding with me from the beginning. Uh, thank you for your support. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for the downloads. Thank you for the follows on Twitter. Even though the podcast series will be ending for right now, you can still reach out to me on Twitter. You can still find my stuff at cherrypickinsports.com. You can still interact with me at cherrypickinsports at gmail.com. Please drop me a line for what you like this season, what you want to hear more of next season. I'm looking forward to expanding this podcast out even bigger and badder for 2020. Again, I appreciate all the support. I appreciate you guys listening to me all season long. It's been a fun season of college football, and I cannot wait to get back to do it again next season. So with that, thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate it, and I can't wait to talk to you guys again in the near future. Have a good one, guys. Take care. So PJ Fleck has got his boys rowing that boat. (laughs) Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Picking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website, cherrypickingsports.com. And if you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at cherrypickingsports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.